What a privilege to be here today with you. And um, yeah, when, when Jacob was saying about the good works that the Lord prepared for us, I was, there was memories coming back in my head. And I remember as a child, I was sitting and I was playing with my doll. And I put my doll on tins, old tins, because they had to have chairs. And I took little crates, tomato crates. In those days, they still, tomatoes wasn't coming in boxes. They were in little crates. And the crates were standing in front of them. And then I would teach to them. And if I felt that they sleeping, I would eat or something, and then all the dogs fell off. And I start and I put them back again. So it is such a privilege to be here today with you. Uh, it's such a privilege to share my passion with you. Because the Lord had created a passion in my heart for children. And I'm one of the few people that are so privileged to be able to live out my passion and people still pay me a salary to play with the children. Amen. I've made peace with it that when people look at me and they see my job, they say, she plays with children. I know I'm going to play with children in heaven. And it's going to be a privilege. So it is really for me a privilege to be here. I'm going to switch this off because for a very long time I'm not going to use this. It's only when you start falling asleep that I'm putting that one on. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we're not using that right now. Uh, I just want to... How do I get this thing? Again? Just a short one? I may be confusing your machine. Press power button again to complete the shutdown. Again. Yes, there we go. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm going to start off the first session. Lewis, where is my papers? Okay, you gave it to them already. Okay. What we're going to do, we're quickly going to do an icebreaker. That I want you two, two to turn to one another. You're going to ask the person next to you those questions, and you're going, um, we're not going to have time to do it with everybody, but I'm just going to ask one and t or two of you. So if you two are sitting next to one another, you ask him those questions, we ask you that question, and then if I ask you, you must introduce him. Okay. You understand? So you two, Two are sharing, but then the one is going to introduce the other one. So as I say, please don't feel offended. Don't, like the children, if they don't get a turn, burst out into tears. We've got more important things to do. I just wanted to, to give you something that you can start off with. So I'm going to give you just one minute for the one, one minute for the other one, and then we're going to share a few things with you. Okay, so there we go. You're allowed to talk and make a noise. Thank you. 
Thank you. We're going to do one more.
Prince got up and uh, he likes trout and fish. <laughs> yeah. Um, his favorite color is light blue and one of the good colors is humility. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Great stuff. You can put those papers away. I don't want it back. We're not going to use it again. Just that we can just relax and know one another a little bit better. We're going to start off. I don't know if you've got, know what I'm doing here today, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of an overview. I'm going to talk to you about what the Bible say about children. Then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this. What do we do at our churches? What are we supposed to do at our churches? How can we build a children's church? I'm going to talk a little bit about stats. What does the research show us? And then I'm going to end off after lunch with a few practical ideas. We don't have the time to do individual lessons for you, but I'm going to give you a few ideas and say, this is a biblical principle, you could use this to keep children's attention. Okay, so that's what you can expect. So I'm going to start off first of what does the Bible say. And I'm sure you know your Bibles very well, but I want to highlight a few scriptures in the Bible. The first one I want to highlight to you is in Matthew 19. Now I'm going to start off by saying to you, I'm going to handle you pretty much, I'm not going to talk kiddie language with you. If I use a language because we talk over languages, already English is my second language, because I'm only, I'm a Burki, I'm Afrikaans. Okay. So already I'm trying to express myself in my second language. And I'm sure you're not listening in your first language either. So if you don't understand a word that I use or something that I say, please stop me and say, Danielle, just explain. Okay. And if I, if I don't know that word, then I wasn't supposed to use it. But if I don't know it, I'll Google it. Okay. Because we've got Google. Fantastic. So um, the first thing I want to say to you further as well is basically one thing that I do with children when I talk and I say I'm busy talking about God. I've got a Bible with me. Children follow example. We mustn't wonder why children don't read Bible if we don't use the Bible in our hands. So there's two things that I've always got. When I talk to children about God, I've got a Bible, and somewhere in my room there is a cross. Even if I just got a small little cross that I made of planks. But in, I just brought that to show you, but we do have a cross here. So those two things we must build into children's lives from the beginning. Okay, so I'm going to start off in Matthew 19, verse 13 to 15. And it reads, Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, 
Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hand on them and they went away. First thing I want to tell you, the Bible showed me children was important to Jesus. The second scripture I want to share with you is Psalm 127, verse 3 to 4. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Children are a heritage. They're important. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 16, read, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for you are fearfully and wonderfully made. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul know it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. And then it goes on. It is a verse that I repeat for children. God made you fearfully and wonderfully. <coughs> Our children need to know who they are. Because the world out there breaks them down. I know of a child. And we need to teach them respect. Because sometimes it, they can land into trouble. But I know a child that know this verse and when a teacher said to her you stupid you will become nothing she said I'm a child of God we must post these things in our children we will later on talk lots about this children need scripture but children church cannot just be memorizing of bible verses then we're not doing our job. But we need that balance. But I remember when life struck me down, I remembered the Psalm 25 that my mother taught me when I was four years old. That's what came in my head. That's what gave me the agility to stand up again. And we must build that into our children. The fourth verse I want to leave with you is... Okay, I've put the things in that I could save time and then I pulled it off. So, Isaiah 54, verse 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. We want our children to have peace. There is no peace outside the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to give children that. One of the first things I teach children, except that they are fearfully made, is Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 4, that say, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honour your father and your mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. Parents, mother, father, caregivers, we need to bring our children up in the way of the Lord. But we need to build it into children. My child, this verse in today's language is, Honor your father and your mother. They make mistakes. Why do you need to honor them? Out of obedience to the Lord, so that you can be blessed. Because there is a rebelliousness in children that the evil one installed in them, and then they cannot be blessed. I want... I'm only going to give you those few verses. The Bible is full of the importance of children, and we mustn't overlook it. I want you to just listen to a few rhetorical questions, questions that I don't want answers. I will give you the answer. The first one is, do you want to enter God's kingdom? Become like a little child. Do you want to be great in, the God, in God's eyes? Then the Bible says become like little children. Do you want to let Jesus know you welcome and receive him? The Bible says then welcome little children. Do you want to avoid just a judgment at God's head? then don't lead little children astray. Do you want to identify with God's plans that's written in the Bible? Then don't be little or despise little children. Want to follow Jesus' example? Then love, pray for, accept, be with and bless little children. I don't think Anybody that sits here today think children are not important. I just wanted to give you a good basis to show children are important to Jesus. If we say we are the body of Christ, children must be important in our churches because they are also a child of God in a small little body and we need to cater for them. And today, the whole day is going to be about what can we do to accommodate children at their level, at their age, at their energy levels, without compromising on the truth. So I will never tell anybody tell them not the truth. We need to give them the truth at the right time and always talk in the right direction. We never ever lie to a child. Never. They smell you from a mile that you're not authentic. So, one of our biggest challenges in life is the humanists that tell our radio stations is full of it, our magazines is full of it, our newspapers is full of it, 
it's not just even the, the humanists, the wokeism is coming through. Our problem is what our children hear out there. And we need to give them a solid, solid foundation to stand up. Because everything the world screams at them is opposite of what the word is saying. And we must empower our children. Because what happens is if we just give them Bible verses and don't give them how to apply it in their life, the moment that they get confronted with earthly world things, they don't know what to do with it. Because then it's world against God. And what happens? They cannot see God. They see the world. And what happened? Who do they believe? The world. There is, yeah, let me not run, let me stick to my, 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 my paper. I will get to that. Good. Even just something small, and hear my heart, disciplining a child does not mean smacking a child. Discipline is a whole discipline structure with rules and boundaries. But the, one of the biggest lies is we mustn't have rules and boundaries and discipline for children. God is a God of order. God is a God of justice. If you as a grown-up don't build the whole discipline structure into a child's life and a child don't have boundaries, two things happen. You become insecure because it's like you starting at a job and nobody ever tell you what's your job. That's what we do on children if we don't give them boundaries. And secondly, the ability to build a relationship with a God that is a God of rules and order is not developed. And they say, oh, this God of yours, I don't want it because he's got rules. You, as a grown-up in a child's life, is the representative of God, and we need to install rules from a small age. What do I mean by rules? I've got five rules at Children's Church. I alone can handle 60 to 80 children alone if they know my rules. I will never tell you have a big group like that. That's when we begin and we sing and praise and worship the Lord. And then we break into small groups. But I've only got five rules. There's a time for everything. And we hear it in the Bible. You need to have respect. It's a biblical principle. We don't hurt one another. It's a biblical principle. Love your neighbor as yourself. The other two I've made up for myself that suit me. I'm not, you take your own, you took care of your own stuff because they bring things and then I must look after it. No. And we help one another. So when there's a new child, I will always allocate somebody to that child as a helper to show him where's the bathroom, where can he drink water, what, 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 what. But those three rules at time, how do I apply it? 
very easily. Child is not sitting still, I say, it's now time for me to talk. Just now when we go and play, I say, now it's the time to go and play. Go and play, make noise. Yeah. But we must communicate these things that the children know what they must do and what they must not do. Okay, and then respect, as I say, respect my child. When, when I talk to her and she introduces herself, you cannot talk out of respect for that person. So respect, respect of ownership. You don't just grab, I don't come and just grab your hand back and scratch in your hand back. That's respect. We must teach it for children from small onwards. And then um, we don't hurt one another. Uh, not physically or with words or with body language. We don't. If you're trying to tell me something and I stay... Can you communicate with me? No. Your heart don't feel well. And we must teach that to our children. When you talk to a child and they roll their eyes backwards, I say, sorry, roll them back forwards and keep them in one position. Okay, so you can hear I'm very strict on boundaries and rules because that is the bottom of it. God is not a God of power. He's a God of order. And if we don't install that in our children, as parents, as caregivers, or as facilitators in a children's church, we do them injustice. Okay, now, for many years, there's different ways of the focus of evangelizing people. And there is one of the focuses in evangelizing, they say, you must look at the world and everything between 10 and 40 degrees on the map is the countries that you must go and evangelize. But then they realize they're missing something because then they come up what they call the 414 window. The 414 window say to you, if you don't, teach a child between four years and 14 years of the Lord, the chances that he become a child of Jesus, there is always a chance. Okay, don't, <laughs> the Lord go and, if he got a plan with you, he's got a plan with you. But the chances is the best between four and 14 years. So if you've got... Uh, access to internet, Google a little bit 414 window and see it's all about children, evangelizing children. So what does this statistic show us? They show us that nearly 85% of people that are Christians as grown-ups became a child of God between 4 years to 14 years. The stats show us between 15 years and 30 years, our success rate is only 10% of people become children of God. After 30, 4%. Where do churches spend most of their time or money evangelizing? Grown-ups. Churches are wasting their money. 
And with that, I don't say don't do it, but we must be wise. Where do we put our energy in? After city, only 4% of people become Christians. Between ages 4 and 14, 80%. And then again, um, under the, from birth to 4 years, also 4%. So it's better to focus on a baby than on a grown-up. Yeah. Just for interest's sake. If you're in church, where do you focus? Where is your focus? Is it on the grown-ups, to evangelizing them, or is it on the children? I want you to sit there where you are, and I just want you to sit and think, just for 30 seconds. What was your experience as a child in a church? Were you in a church? Maybe you became, you gave your life to Jesus when you were back already. Did you enjoy church? How did your heart feel while you had to sit in church? Maybe you're a person that had a very bad childhood and nobody exposed you to the Word of God. I don't know what's your story, but I can tell you what is my story. My parents took me to church. I was brought up on church. I was sitting there every Sunday. The church never catered for me. Actually, later on I'm going to tell you that we need to take different temperaments of children in account in our children's church. Otherwise, we miss them, but I will get back to it. My temperament is I'm trying to do things perfect. And if I don't do it perfect, it puts stress on me. So what happened? I had to memorize a Bible verse every day or every Sunday for, for church. And after church, we were sitting here. I remember it so well. It was where the deacons were sitting now I, I felt a little bit awkward because I could never sit there till it was catechism. Then I had to sit there and then they come and all I do that whole morning while I'm sitting in church, I'm saying my verse because I'm scared I'm forgetting it. Mm. And the moment they say verse, the verse go out that side. And I'm... <laughs> you didn't do the verse terrible world war, and you name yourself a child of God, and, 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 and all job they did for me was pushing me down and make me feel more insecure, and I was trying harder every Sunday, and I've made a decision as a child in church, the day that I can decide what, I will never see the inside of the church, but God. Praise him for that. We must break repetitive cycles. Another thing I love the only church sermon I like was when it was communion. Because then there was this long table with chairs, and I could sit in chair. I was never allowed to look backwards. Then 
somebody in church would slap your head because in church, I don't know who made that rule, you're only allowed to look in that direction. If you look, you just let the clock on your head to look to the front. But communion day, everybody was moving around in church, and you know what? The church gave me a dressing coat. I love to dress nicely because I looked at all the ladies in church on communion day. I checked if her shoes were fitting her outfit. If her handbag was part of the color coding, that's what I got at church. And when the Lord called me to minister to children in the church, I said, God, help me, please, that one of those little children that go through Grifemerekert Linden don't say the same thing or feel what I felt at church. And I decided to break the repetitive cycle of the past and give children something that they can build into their system. And it's a balance, people. It's a balance. I don't say children must get away with everything. It's a balance. But we can pray to an almighty God and ask God to give us that balance that we don't lose our brothers and sisters in Christ that is in small bodies. Okay. What is one of the biggest problems of churches? We grown-ups think with grown-up brains. One of the biggest mistakes any person in his life can make is, and it's general, we think, everybody think and feel like us. And that is a lie. You can look at any personality analysis, leadership profiles, temperament tests, you can call it whatever. There's always different kinds of people. And we must never think somebody thinks like us. And that is uh, Jacob said this morning, I'm an evergreen parenting facilitator and a tall tree leadership profile facilitator because I made it my business to try and get into the head of a child or a grown-up as much as possible. It's not about Danielle. I'm saved. If I die today, I'm going to heaven. But who is going with me to heaven? Are those little children there with me, going with me? Or must I stand in front of God one day and he ask me, where is Tabejo? And Tabejo is not in heaven. So it's very important that I know, I know it's not possible, but I said it would have been so much easier if God could have zipped on the head and I could have zipped it open and look what's going on inside. But I cannot do it. So I'm trying to get the knowledge that I know how they, they think. Why do you think is there, if you think about it, I've never found a parent that when they get a baby, they look at the baby, they say, oh, 
oh, I'm going to ruin your life. <laughs> Don't you ever see something like that? No. Oh, they think it's the cutest thing. And oh, he's, he's marvelous. He's so intelligent. And then, why is it that when grown-ups sit in counseling, they cry about their mother, their father, the teacher, the pastor. It's all people that were supposed to have good intentions. But we sit and we try and deal with the hurt that those people have done in us. Because that person thought, you are thinking the way you think. We must stop doing that. If you really want the best for somebody else, you're going to try and think and do what is good for that person because I love my neighbor like myself. I don't do to others things that I don't want to be do, done to myself. So, but there's different things important in different people's lives and we must talk according to that. And one of my passions is exactly like Malachi say, want to turn the father's hearts and the children's hearts to one another. And that's why I informed myself with more knowledge and I do parenting courses to get people to understand one another. The same um, evergreen parenting course, they, they, we're busy rolling it out now. At, uh, oh, there's lots of places in, that we roll it out in Soweto and in schools. It's called First Steps, Evergreen Parenting. If you ever, it is for free. If they charge you, it might be for photostatic book or something, but it's for free. If you ever get the opportunity to do a First Steps, Evergreen Parenting thing somewhere, please do it. Because it's Betty Brits, the, the lady that, uh, that developed it, is Louis Brits, the gospel singer that's now in America's wife. She is biblical-based. Psalm 1. If you stand by, by water, you will be like a tree that will be forever green and the leaves will not wither and you know Psalm 1. So a very, very good cause to understand other people and to talk in a way that that person hears. Because sometimes we talk and children don't hear. Just when I do the PowerPoint, I will say a little bit more about that. Okay. So first thing, we think with grown-up brains, we talk grown-up language, and we don't think like a child. It's the first mistake the, child, the, the church do. If you ask a child, if you put a grown-up next yeah, and a child. And you ask the child, is the Holy Spirit bigger in the grown-up or in the child? The grown-up will think about it. The child will immediately say it's the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot be bigger or smaller. If you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got the Holy Spirit. Yes. In its full. How much you work through you depends on are you eager to be an empty vessel. That's something different. But the Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean because the body is different or the cognitive development is different that the Holy Spirit is different. Okay? 
That's another mistake that we as grown-ups in churches make. I, I don't know which of these six things that I'm going to mention to you is the most important. It's not. All of them are just very, very important. But children don't need more school. So I don't know why we try and have Sunday school. In countries that know what they're doing, like your Scandinavian countries, which are number one in education in our days, they take all homework away. They take work hours make shorter to get family relationships better. They know it. We mustn't bring children into church and want to teach them things, more school. They're sick and tired of school. They hear teachers every day of their life and they just see these mouths going and they take in nothing. We must stop as a church, stop thinking we're going to teach children things. At Linden, when I arrived there, I don't know where I got the boldness from. It, was, it must have been the Lord that just gave me such a passion for children. They just bought new tables and chairs. And they just put it in a room and they repainted the room. And in the corner of the room was all the old furniture that nobody wanted anywhere in, on that premise anymore was there. And here the other tables were squashed in. And I said to them, when they pointed me, what are you thinking? <laughs> Take out these tables. They said to me, we just bought it. I said, I don't care. Children don't need tables. If you put a child at a table, it's because you want to constrict the child's movement. Children need to move. If a child moves, their ears flung open. So now we sit like this, I actually wonder how, how more successful a pastor will be if he let the congregation move around and not just sit like this. They will, might most probably take in more. I had to throw out all the, all the tables, all the chairs. Being said that, it does work good on preschoolers. Preschoolers like to go and sit at a little table. So at Linden, the preschoolers can sit at tables, but the rest go into an empty space. Maximum a carpet, if we can afford it. And I'm laying down on the floor with him. Because the only person that had an influence on me was a duomdi we had in Silverton in Pretoria. I was brought up very close to Mama Lodi on a farm and in Silverton. And I wasn't privileged enough to have that Dundee for Sunday school, but my sisters were. And he was, he became a friend of my dad, and I knew him till his death, Dundee Nico Foster. But I'm the last of seven children, and between me and my eldest sister, there's 18 years. So I've heard a lot of things that my siblings said, and I've heard that Dundiniku was laying down with them on the grass telling them about animals 
And I love the bush. If I can just sit and watch a bush, oh, I'm, it's amazing. If I, my, all my batteries get recharged. And that made my heart, that's the only thing, what my siblings told me, that made my heart a little bit more available for God, was because Pastor Niku could lay down on the grass with my sisters. Guys, children don't need grown-ups to tell them all these things. Children need to discover the truth. I lay down with those children and I discover how amazing, amazing the Lord is because of things that they tell me, testimonies that they give me. I come with a Bible verse, I come with a principle. I come with, listen carefully, I don't say go unprepared. I go prepared. Yes. But I discover with the child. And that is very, very important. You cannot expect of a child to sit still. I do find in African churches it is a little bit better. The church where I was brought up in the Khrifamiyatakar. Till today I struggled with people over 70 in my church. That it's difficult for them to accept children. And I know, I've spoke to some people, I know the gogos in your congregation sometimes are a big problem. They're a big problem, I know. They want to tell you how to do things, and in their days, you know what? You're going to need to decide who are you going to follow, the gogos in the congregation or the Lord? Amen. I don't want to start a rebellion, but we must pray for wisdom from the Lord, how to handle those situations. But we cannot let Gogos control what, are we, what we are doing with our children. That Gogo had a turn with her children. Okay. And we need, don't be disrespectful, but somewhere along the line, we need to draw the line. What do we need to do for the Lord? Okay. Um, children cannot sit still. Children are, which they call in psychology, kinesthetic learners. They want to use their whole body. Yes. Ears, eyes, they want to taste, they want to move, they want to feel. So we must take that all in account. And the church make a very big mistake if we just talk, talk, talk. Because those children just see mouths. That's all they see. Um, one size does not fit all. Did you ever try the male? Sorry, I, don't, I think you also got socks. I want to get heebie-jeebies if I buy stockings and it's one size fit all. It never fits me. <laughs> it never fits me. <laughs> I use those stockings for, for the baby stimulation. I fill it with rice for the babies that they can feel the rice without eating at all. Yeah. So one size does not fit all. Yes. You can accommodate certain groups together, certain ages. 
but you cannot have a child of three years and a child of 13 years together. Yeah. It's impossible. Yes. We make that mistake, so I would always say to people, you need to at least have three, four groups at church, even if there's two or three in a group. You've got your preschoolers, then you take your primary school, grade one to three in one group, the rest in another group, and then you've got a high school group. So that's the minimum you can have. And um, a must, 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 is we must take our children's attention span in account, and it's easy. We were discussing it before the time. One minute per year, that's attention span. I've lost most of you already. That's why I try to bring in a, a, a joke and then you laugh and then you can concentrate a little bit again. But from now on, if I see, I say, get up, stand up, turn around. That's what I do all the time in grown-up uh, seminars because we can only concentrate for 17 minutes. It doesn't mean if you're 45, you can sit for 45 minutes. Not at all. <laughs> One minute per year till the age of 17. And then from there onwards, 17 minutes. Then you need to do something with your body. Sunday coming, uh, not tomorrow, next week, uh, we've got children's church at Linden is called the Ark. The Ark. We from time to time, we've got sermons in the big church, and it is now, next Sunday, the sermon with Dr. Petuarius, me and him do together in the new building. So the children go in there. The grown-ups start off, they sing four songs. By that time, my children's energy levels are finished. They want to go home. So what do we do? We sing one song, we do something, uh, we, we teach them something, we stop, we give them a, a turn to do something, we sing another song. That way we keep their, their attention. Because every time that you can move, you refocus, your body feels better, you come into balance again, and then you can concentrate again. But you know for yourself, I mean, if I sit, I must be honest, if I sit seven minutes, if the guy that's talking is not brilliant and makes somersaults, then I'll fall asleep. Because that's the way our body is. We need to keep moving. And we must take in account that our children got a very short attention span and we need to focus on those areas those time periods that they're highly alert, we can bolt into their life and then we must go. It is, I, I always say to my colleagues, it's very easy for me to work out a sermon for grown-ups. The longer your speech, the easier it becomes. Because you can waffle. <laughs> go on. With children, you cannot waffle. You need, I will refer to it later again, 
It is a terminology I want to teach you. Evergreen parenting talk about gardening. Children are little plants in pots. Then you put them out into a bigger pot when they go to preschool. Then you plant them into the soil when they go to school. And then you cannot control anymore what's going into them. But part and parcel of it, and this is the principle I want to leave with you, grown-ups and parents are the earthworms for children. If we don't have earthworms in the earth, they make the fertilizing, they make weed that we call worm tea that make the plants grow. And that is what makes the preparation so important and that's what makes it so important that you must take so much knowledge, you put it into your head, you nearly regurgitate like a cow. You chew it, you chew it, you chew it. You are the earthworm. That child only get the worm tea. So preparation, preparation, preparation is so important. You can never stand up in front of a child if you, that which you have want to carry over, you didn't put it in your head, you think and pray and prepare yourself spiritually of how to carry that knowledge over. So you are the earthworm for the child of the church. You've got a window of max 10 minutes with children, so no waffling. You need to know what you say. It needs to be focused words. And then you need to give the child a chance to respond. If I look at my program, we're going to stop there and we're quickly going to have a break.